Welcome to the Insight Through Experience podcast, a podcast created to provide information about what life is like inside the most specialized special tactics organization in the U.S. Air Force. In these episodes, we'll be bringing you the experiences from many of our experts, ranging from our human performance optimization staff, our combat mission supporters, as well as our special warfare operators. Our main objective with these podcasts are to provide the listener with a unique look inside our culture of excellence in hopes that you will make the 724 a future career goal. Now sit back, relax, take some notes, prepare to hear from some of the Air Force's finest. Thank you for joining us on the Insight Through Experience podcast. All right, welcome back to the Insight Through Experience podcast, everybody. I know it's been a while, but we are bringing you a special episode this week. We just got finished with Operator Selection 21-01, and we have four of the candidates who went through the selection process and were just told about an hour ago that they were selected into the unit. So this will be a special episode where we're going to cover their experience uh, before, during, and after selection so we can give the audience kind of a snapshot of what to expect when you come here so you can prepare better. So we're not going to be using names or anything during this podcast. We're going to keep it to call signs. So the legend that you can use for this is Charlie 1-1 is a combat rescue officer. Charlie 1-5 is a combat controller. Charlie 3-6 is a pararescueman. And Charlie 4-7 is a combat controller. So with that in mind, we're going to get started. Guys, I appreciate you being here for this um, podcast. This is going to be a good interview. And let's go ahead and get started. So the first question I have, and I'm always interested in this because we're not here to hurt people, but I want to know how is your body and maybe even your mind recovering post exfil, which was only uh, 48 hours ago at this point. So just looking from each of you, starting with one one of how that body and mind's recovering up to this point. Absolutely, uh, Charlie one one here. I'll be honest, the day after was pretty rough. My body hurt, but more importantly, like my mind wasn't working right. I called my wife, and uh, I'm pretty sure she. She thought I was a little bit messed up, but uh, since then, you know, I've been able to eat and sleep a lot, catch up on everything that I that I lost, whether it was poundage or sleep debt. And uh, two things, two days later, the only things that really hurt her, you know, the chafing and possible bone stress injury and a little bit of pride. But other than that, I'm good. All right, Charlie, one five here. So for recovery after exfil, uh, kind of similar story with the wife. I only shot her a small text message. Uh, once once that happened, she realizes, yeah, I probably pretty tired. I can't really talk. Um, Typical soreness in the shoulders, legs, um, feet especially, uh, possible bone stress uh, injury. Uh, But overall, I still feel pretty good. Um, I feel a lot uh, that I recovered a lot better than I thought I would um, going through uh, that much stress. Um, But other than that, no, no serious injuries really that I worry about. Three, uh, yeah, honestly, I feel like I recovered pretty well. I was a little surprised. I thought I wasn't going to do too well with the sleep debt, but came through it. I managed to talk to my wife coherently, at least. Um, and, uh, yeah, feet, everything's good. I think I had some of the better feet out of everybody coming out of it. Um, and I got some active recovery in yesterday, um, so that was good. Moved some lactic acid out. So, yeah. Charlie 4-7 here. Um, yeah, my recovery up to this point has been it's been fine day after. Uh, obviously, a little bit sleep uh, deprived, so just trying to get some sleep back. Um, biggest thing for me was really just eating right the first couple of days back. Um, you're eating MREs in the field, which obviously take a toll on your body, and you're kind of 
you're calorie deficient for a couple of those days. So uh, just trying to get some more calories back in uh, back in the body to help with that healing process is the biggest part for me. Yeah, four seven. I'm glad you brought up MREs because I think that's an important talking point here. You're only going to get so many when you're there. Um, so strategizing how you use those MREs are important as well. But I'm wondering, um, you know, because there's always a, a food to weight ratio because you got to carry that food too. So that's also taking a toll on your body. How many more MREs would have been perfect, in your opinion, um, for the duration of the event that you uh, went through? Sure. I um, I would say I'd, I'd probably would have taken two more MREs would have been would have been enough uh, for me. I, I was right on my tail end of my MREs. Like my last uh, last couple movements there, right before Xville, I was drinking a syrup packet and I was taking a salt packet and just shoving it down my throat and swallowing water. So just trying to get something in the body. Um, so I, I would say probably two more MREs so I could keep up, uh, keep the calories going into the machine and keep the machine running. Uh, but I, I kind of front loaded my, my MREs too. So some guys had one and a half MREs left. I, I decided to front load that towards the beginning of the field phase, just try to get some more calories in cause I knew what was coming. Um, so that was the biggest part for me. Uh, but I would, I would say two more MREs and, just keep the keep the machine rolling. Yeah, four seven. Walk the audience through why you made the decision to front load, and then I'll get the opinion from the other guys too. How they chose to utilize the MREs that they had available. Uh, that's just something for, for me. Just being at combat control school, I kind of know what my body needs at what times. Um, so I would say that I've I've kind of had that that history where I can kind of I can kind of see where my body is. And uh, as far as like my water intake too, I was monitoring that, and we, we thankfully had some drip drops too, so I was able to kind of utilize that as well. So I had two different three liter uh, Camelbacks in my back, one that had drip drop, and then one one that was just water. Um, so util utilizing that effectively, and then also just front loading the MREs uh, throughout the field week, eating as much as I could was a big big part for me because realistically you don't have that much time between events, and I don't want to spend that time trying to break into an MRE. I'd field strip them, have stuff in my pocket, so I could just pop it in my mouth and keep moving. Charlie won one here. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Don't have a whole lot of time between movements. And not only that, you don't have time. You don't really have the energy to want to break into an MRE and break that stuff open, figure out what you want to eat. So when you had that time early on, just breaking that stuff into little packets and maybe a carb and a sugar or carb and a fat or whatever, and then have that in pockets so that you're not digging into a ruck. You're literally pulling it out of your cargo pocket to shove it in your mouth. Charlie won five. Uh, I thought it was important you had to have snack pockets. Um, my main uh, mindset in a scenario like that is to stay ahead of it. Um, I never wanted to get into a scenario where like, man, I'm hungry or man, I'm dehydrated. Uh, every time I thought to myself like, hey, I feel good. That means I need a snack or hey, I feel good. Hey, I need to hydrate um, just to stay ahead of uh, any deficits. Charlie through six. Uh, yeah, for the food. Um... I don't process food well while I work out. And so I tried to front load all my entrees beforehand because I knew that I'd get those down when my stomach was good. So that way during events, uh, I just had the easier to process snacks. And the other thing that was big for me, it kind of goes into things I would change is learning to drink water. Uh, I trained in Vegas where it's hot and uh, dry and your body just feels different. It, like when you're out there in Vegas, it, you know when you need a drink. When you're in the humidity, you're wet and you know, your mouth doesn't get the same cotton mouth that you do out west. And uh, I really had to force myself to drink. It would have been nice to monitor and have a little bit better understanding of how much water I actually needed. Such good info on how to fuel properly, especially during phase three, that field phase. If you go to our website, you can also find more of this information. 
um, whether it's a workout or nutrition or anything else that are going to help you develop these strategies. And also when you get to selection, we're going to give you a handout from our dietitian. It kind of helps you strategize how to eat those MREs more effectively. So now let's transition into the next question, which is really I'm trying to figure out how you guys are mentally processing what went on the last seven, eight days here at Selection. So where are you at mentally with it and how are you processing it? All right, Charlie one one here. Well, I, I actually wrote the answer to this question before I got selected. So hopefully it'll like represent that a little bit. But there's a ton to reflect on during the past week or 10 days, however long we've been here. Honestly, I don't remember. But uh, just trying to turn that feedback into like actual pieces. Um, a lot of this stuff is feedback specific to events, but a lot of that feedback isn't necessarily to make you better at the event. It's to, better, it's to make you a better operator, better leader, better person, and being able to kind of translate that over. And so I take as much time as I can to write down that stuff, because just like I said, sleep debt, uh, not a lot of food, all that. I don't want to lose any of that critical feedback and make sure that I maintain that throughout. So that's all I got for that. For Charlie One Five, uh, I've honestly just been reflecting on the entire journey itself and the feedback that I've got from my peers that I thought was just a huge deal to me. Um, just potentially to still make me better um, to go back as an operator and to grow in that aspect. Um, the other thing I thought about too is just you know just the fact that I came to assess. Um, I'm just glad that I did it um, for the experience in general. Uh, no matter what the result would have been, uh, I wrote this question too <laughs> before I found out the news today. Um, that I was just, I was just really happy that I came and experienced what I did. Um, learned a lot about myself and, uh, that's pretty much all I've got. Probably three, six. Um, yeah, pretty much the same, uh, focusing, looking at what I could have improved on, um, some of those feedback points and how to improve. And, uh, honestly looking at how I think I performed here versus how I usually would perform back at the unit. Um, you know, things being different personalities, being what they are more familiar with the guys back home and uh, having to really try to show myself here and how to improve that uh, time process because you really have a short time uh, to get that stuff out. And um, honestly, I was thinking about how I could improve it next time if I didn't get selected. <laughs> um, so, Charlie 4-7, um, I would say it was just a first class experience from the day that we got our reporting instructions um, to the day uh, today that we found out that we got selected. I'd say just a first class experience all the way. Um, Individual to me, I would say that I valued the feedback from my teammates, uh, regardless of the outcome of this selection, if whether or not I got selected or not. Um, obviously, wanted to get selected, but I, I was going to take the feedback from my teammates and it was going to make me, make me a better operator and, and a better man. And I was going to bring that back to my unit and see how I can help other guys out in the unit struggle with whatever they're struggling with or uh, kind of leverage their strengths. Um, so that, that was kind of what I what I had coming into this this uh, process. So many good answers here. So many things to dig into. Three, six, I think I'm going to point it back towards you in the environment comment that you made because I think that's important because uh, there isn't a lot of time during our selection process to um, get uh, settled into the environment and let people see who you really are. So if you can talk a little bit about that from your perspective and, and what you were meaning there when you said that because I like it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my personality, I'm just generally a more shy guy. Um, I would say, and, and I came into this knowing that and knowing that I would have to stand up and have more of a voice because at the unit, you know, you get there, you get comfortable with the guys, you understand how you all operate and, you know, your strengths and weaknesses, like, okay, he's good at ropes or, you know, he's good at medicine. So he's going to cover the med piece and this guy's going to cover the actions on or the EPA or the nav. And it's easy to get 
into those avenues and kind of stuck in those and you can control those absolutely but when you come here you have to be able to do it all and speak up on any aspect and you, you know you need to be heard so for myself um i know I just had to come here and, and be more open um and vocal uh which is something i just genuinely had to try hard at <laughs> um when questions and things were posed to the team i just tried to have my voice heard and uh you know be able to back that up it's it's easy to get overrun because everybody's trying to do good and so sometimes guys that are naturally have a voice uh, will speak up louder and you need to be able to to defend yourself because just because everybody's focused on what they said doesn't mean the way you said isn't valuable. That's some great insight. Three, six, uh, one, one over to you. Same question. How did you adjust when you got here? How did you figure it out? And what, how did you strategize moving forward? One, one here. Uh, I think three, six kind of hit the nail on the head that you have to know that your reputation isn't established here and you have to start establishing that on day one. So even if you start out, uh, being yourself, like you, you have to be yourself throughout, but just understand that no one knows you. <laughs> I, I knew maybe two or three people when I got here. So it's not like I have a group that I can uh, influence or anything like that. I'm starting from ground zero here. And so that's where I kind of, uh, kind of took kind of the same thing three, six said, you know, maybe I would hang out a little bit and wait and pick and choose my time. Like you don't have any time here. You, you got to start from day one. One one five, pretty much the, the same story. Um, you know, you get really comfortable at your unit in the sense that everyone knows how you're going to perform and, you know, who you are. Um, I've always been kind of a talkative person. I have no problem interacting with people. But still, you know, there's not a lot of time here um, to really show who you are. And you always uh, feel that effect, especially in this environment, um, that you really need to perform uh, at all times. Um, ended up being just a really good group of guys and at the point where, you really just got to start interacting with people and get to know everybody and show them like who you really are. Um, that's pretty much, uh, the mindset that I came in when I got here is pretty much, you know, open yourself up to everybody and let them know who the uh, real you is. This is uh, four seven. Uh, I would say for myself, uh, I understood that being a younger guy had only spent two and a half years at my first STS, uh, before putting in my package to come assess here. So, um, I didn't really have that leadership role or that experience back at my my old unit. Uh, and I knew I was going to potentially be put in leadership roles here. So just trying to excel in those situations was something that I focused at and understand that I needed to step up and be a little bit more vocal uh, was something that I, I really worked hard on back at my back at my old unit. Yeah, I love it. And for the audience, just got to understand when you get here to selection, we're going to do an introduction on day one. We're going to lay out what's exactly expected of you and how to be successful here. We don't hold back. We tell you exactly how to be successful. Then like they're saying, it's up to you to learn how to integrate really fast. If you're an introvert, you're going to have to push yourself. If you're an extrovert, you might have to pull yourself back a little bit. Uh, nonetheless, um, we're going to give you the stage, tell you what we expect, and then see if you can perform. Let's move on, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how you guys prepared uh, physically for selection and then if that played out successfully um, or if there's anything that you wish you would have done differently uh, once you started proceeding through selection. Probably one one here. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to break this into kind of two different aspects, the physical aspect and the mental aspect. So for uh, for the physical prep, you know, I got with my strength and conditioning coach, went over the 724's uh, website and bounced my ideas off some candidates that got selected to see if that was 
kind of things that worked for them, make sure I was on the right track. Uh, and I kind of did a personal evaluation of what my strengths and weaknesses were. So I knew my strengths were going to be in kind of the power and power endurance wheelhouse, whether that was sled work or whatever. Uh, but I hadn't done a whole lot of rucking um, as, or long endurance events. So I kind of focused on developing those weaknesses. And then uh, it was a pretty intense workout program. Uh, so I made sure to allocate 20 or 30 minutes a day to recovery to make sure that my body was going to be able to sustain that for what wound up being for me close to six months of, of train up uh, throughout deployment and pre-deployment. And then uh, once I got here, I feel like the train up that I executed and planned was, you know, I executed 100%. And I think I was physically prepared for what I expected. <laughs> what I had failed to uh, foresee was how much more difficult it would be when placed under immense stress, sleep depth, limited food, minimal recovery time, and being surrounded by these animals that are pushing you to go way past 100%. And then uh, as far as the mental side, uh, one thing I, I think I did that was helpful, um, I read a couple books and then I tried to grab some of those techniques, see if I could apply them throughout uh, my workout process. Uh, one of them was like getting my heart rate back down. So I knew that we were going to have to keep sustained uh, effort throughout the whole process. So getting my heart rate jacked up and then seeing if I could bring my heart rate back down uh, and kind of control that, get myself from the red back into, back into the green where I could think. And uh, I, I think what that helped with, I was a little bit more able to stay focused on the task at hand, uh, even when I was stressed, not letting failure or any upcoming challenges kind of cloud my judgment, my thoughts. And then finally, I think one of the things from those books on the mental side was, you know, they tell you to have a solid why. I think not just why you want to be part of the 724 or why you're doing this, but also like why you want to be in this moment right now. And I think having a group of, you know, 24, 28, whatever operators right by your side, like wanting to be a part of that team, that's a pretty good thing to keep you in the moment about it. So those are some of the things that I use and I felt were pretty successful for me. Five here. Um, I kind of broke it up into two categories too. Um, my overall strategy though, uh, I always use my, uh, my phrase is humble aggressive. I wanted to attack uh, everything humble aggressively. Um, I wanted to hard charge each event the best I could um, in a mental aspect uh, to be insightful and beneficial and not just throw out unnecessary things. Um, and then in the physical aspect, uh, I wanted to be in confident in every event, um, a sense in crushing each event, but at the same time, knowing that I'm ready for the next event uh, afterwards and be able to give the same intensity um, and not just burn out on, you know, one, one tough event. Um, my avenues for that, I basically, I went through um, my strength coach, um, used that as a baseline. I even went to the PT for recovery. I thought recovery was a big deal for me. Um, that I wasn't in the past. Um, I just believe um, knowing how your body works and what you need to do to get prepped for the next event uh, really made a huge difference uh, being here. And then also uh, just being confident in the physical aspect, um, knowing uh, not being affected by the event prior. Um, and then also having other guys like-minded around me pushing me to be the best I could was a, a pretty humbling experience as well. Um, and that's, that's pretty how I, I pretty much how I attacked, uh, the strategy. Charlie three, six. So for the physical side, uh, similar to one, one, like power endurance is kind of my game. Um, I can do intervals all day long. Uh, the long distance cardio stuff is what I need to work on, but being from the desert, uh, and selection got moved up. And so, 
it's pretty hot out there and I didn't have the so much the option or opportunity to get in as much uh, as many rucks as I probably wished I would have um, you know in all honesty I only rucked probably six times a month um, and most of those were intervals um, again I think the intervals work for me um, and I think there are certain events uh, that it showed that it it helps out here as well um, so that was kind of the general plan um, and I just I stuck with my strengths with that uh, rucking has always been a weakness you know not that you should avoid improving your weaknesses you should always improve those um, but at the end of the day I, I knew myself and that I knew I was gonna have to ruck and I could just do it honestly um, so I wanted to play to my strengths with that as far as the uh, mental prep aspect um, I talked to our uh, clinical social worker we have one out there um, I'm a home base and got some techniques from her, how to like reframe things uh, and breathing techniques. Uh, it's been talked about diaphragmatic breathing and uh, ratio breathing techniques. And I think that helped a lot, not just for the physical stuff and being able to uh, calm that heart rate down before the next uh, sled push or whatever it was, but also for the interviews, you know, I think that some people can underestimate how stressful those can be, even the friendly ones. And uh, being able to calm down in the moment uh, sometimes people like to talk really fast and they say something they didn't mean to or jumble their words and being able to recover from that uh, both physically and mentally in the in the time is something that can be difficult and and that's something that I work towards in my workup so I went over my application and I knew made sure I remembered all of my answers because I submitted it a few months prior and went over like basic interview questions um, and follow-up questions. So that was my mental plan. Charlie 4-7, uh, I think the biggest thing for guys that want to come up here and assess is just establishing a solid rucking and uh, grip baseline. Um, and then also just getting in contact with your strength and conditioning coach from, for the, uh, the physical side. They are the experts in what they do. Um, you might think you know know one piece of the puzzle, but they've they've got all, pretty much all the answers. And if they don't have those answers, then they've got point, points of contact that they can talk to and find out uh, how other guys have trained for that in the past. So a big part for me was just getting in touch with my strength and conditioning coach and just finding out where my weaknesses were and then leveraging my strengths, whatever those may be from a, a physicality perspective. Uh, I think it's important to note, too, that you're expected to give 100% in every event here and everyone else is given 100% also. So your 100% might be different than someone else's 100%, but there are some actual like absolute freaks that come up here to work out. So you're competing against yourself, but you also see the guy next to you that just smoked you in, in, in a certain event. So you're trying to, to put out a little bit more as well. So you don't, you don't know what 100% is until they wheel out the trash cans and the assault bike and you start to realize what's about to happen. So um, I, would say, I would say that's, that's a big piece. Um, and then also for myself, from a, a mental perspective, I got with my psych doc and we, we just kind of established some, some weaknesses that I have and some strengths that I had. Biggest thing for me was uh, establishing a mantra that, that I've had since a, since a young age and just kind of going through that and then working through some, some mental problems in my head and understanding that I was going to be tired, I was going to be stressed, but just going back to that, that uh, mantra that I had um, and not getting to the point where I'm redlining myself. If you show up here physically unprepared, you're going to redline yourself and you're not going to be able to mentally work through the processes that you guys are going to, going to expect from us. Um, so that's a big, big part of that. Um, so that's, that's all I got from the, the physical and the mental side. 
Those are some absolutely outstanding answers. So anybody preparing for our selection or any selection in general, go back and listen to those four answers right there. Those are a good roadmap. Uh, you can pick pieces and parts out of all four of those answers and have a really good prep design for yourself. Now I'd like to move over into talking about 100% because we spend a lot of time here trying to redefine in the candidate's mind what 100% really is because um, I have not met a candidate yet who came here with the true sense of what 100% was um, in their output and performance. And again, we spend a lot of time and effort to try to redefine that for them. So I'd like to hear y'all's experience with that as you went through. One, one here. So uh, that, that was going to be the one thing I wish I would have done differently in my train up is find a way to push yourself beyond your perceived 100%. Because what I feel like it is now is different than when I began or, or when I started this process. Uh, I think there's definitely certain events during selection where you've got, you know, guys like four, seven that you're chasing throughout the whole time and trying to, trying to catch up to those dudes. And that's definitely going to push you well beyond what you believed. Um, if I could equate it to anything else, the only other time I've felt something similar is in another competitive environment, like a, like a CrossFit competition type thing. Like that's the only time that I feel I've been able to push myself beyond where I thought a hundred percent was. So even if I know I train myself hard, you, you throw some competitive animals in there, like I, I'm going to find a way to get 10%, 20% harder. Uh, Charlie won five. Yeah. For training strategy, training strategy for a hundred percent to me, um, at this point now is it's probably good to work with guys that are way better. You in certain aspects of phys physicality, um, to really push yourself, uh, essentially, I would probably throw in a few more gut checks into my workouts before prepping, uh, while prepping to come here. Um, because guys like, yeah, four, seven, um, when you're working against them, they really push you past those limits that you don't typically feel when you are preparing yourself and what you think is a hundred percent. And I feel like that would make a huge difference. And that's all I got. Charlie three, six. Um, yeah, I had a couple of gut check workouts, uh, every week. Um, but like, uh, four, seven mentioned, uh, Previously, like you don't want to redline yourself. So in training, you want to make sure that you're doing it smartly and not uh, deteriorating your body before you even get here. Uh, but as far as when I got here, uh, my relationship with 100% changed. Um, I think primarily it's because you don't know what your times are. Like I still have no idea how fast or slow I was. And so, you know, even during CrossFit competitions and stuff, you have a clock, you have other people that you're comparing yourself against. And, and it is a competition with other people. And it is a, even in the gym, you know, with your, when you're with your bros, even if you're doing arm curls or whatever it is, uh, you know, a lot of people will just compare themselves to the next best person. Um, and it's easy to do that here and it, you can find motivation in that for sure. But at the end of the day, it's just like, um, it's just like we're told from cadre, like you're, you're here for yourself. Like you're competing against yourself essentially. Um, and so it just it helped me find new, a new level uh, to get to um, and you really need to pull that drive from within yourself um, so yeah Charlie four seven uh, so I would say uh, the biggest thing is uh, just understanding that the cadre this is not their first rodeo so this is not their first time doing selection they've been doing it for a while so they've seen all the all the tricks and they know what 100% is. So if you show up to the finish, wherever the finish line is, you won't be told where the finish line is, but it's somewhere out there and you gotta go get it. Um, and you show up and 
they perceive you to not be putting out a hundred percent that they're going to let you know about it. So they've seen it all before. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're watching you always and evaluating you. Yeah. I love talking about that subject. Cause I think all of us get into ruts wherever we are in our workouts and our daily life and how hard we push ourselves, And we automatically assume that just because we're physically fit or mentally capable that we're pushing ourselves to our limits a lot when we rarely, um, when we rarely ever do. Uh, so selection is just that opportunity uh, to realize that what we think is 100% every day is really probably, honestly, uh, David Goggins says only about 40%. And I, I honestly believe that's true. So moving over a little bit now, let's talk about the mental side. Uh, really want to talk about the demon moments is what we call them here. And when those demons started creeping into your experience during selection, could have been anywhere inside the process. I think a lot of guys relate this more to the physical events during phase three, but there's also physical events in phase two. Maybe it's some of the middle stuff that you weren't prepared for, some of the feedback you were getting. So one, one, start us off. What were some of those demon moments where those bad thoughts started creeping in and how'd you deal with it? Charlie one, one, uh, I, I feel like for me, it was definitely dealing with uh, failure or at least perceived failure and moving forward to implement the critical feedback that I was receiving. Uh, at no point did I receive any, any sort of encouraging words or indications from any selection staff that I had done anything right. So uh, I only had myself and my teammates to, uh, to rely on when I was feeling ultimately defeated. Um, but during, during those low points, that's when I decided to Kind of pick myself up and push push harder push faster and prove everyone wrong who's critiquing me so that's kind of how i handled those demons when they came up charlie won five here yeah there's a few moments that stood out there was one um i don't know i might be the only one that feels this way but uh during one of the fat grip uh workouts i really thought to myself like man i should have done a lot more fat grip strength training and potentially a uh, little more variations of sled just so my recovery time in between was a little bit better um and then other scenarios i mean uh, the rock definitely was tough. Um, you never know when it was going to end, obviously unknown distance. Um, but the one thing that uh, kept me going was that, Hey, I want a hard charge because I feel like that, that, uh, that perception on everybody is contagious and they see you pushing other guys are going to want to push and work harder to get, get to the end. And um, that, that's what kind of kept me going through those moments. Uh, three, six. Um, you know, I think the, the biggest time for demons to come in is in your downtime. Um, when you're sitting there trying not to fall asleep, trying to do your uh, priorities of work in your team gear primarily, uh, but also on uh, infill, um, just a lot of time alone. And you gotta be okay with yourself uh, mentally <laughs> to be alone for that long. Um, and uh, it, I'll, I'll be honest, like I don't, I don't think I had too many demons creep in. You know, I was lucky. I, I didn't know how I was gonna operate with that little sleep. I've never gone that uh long without sleep before um you know even in college <laughs> um so uh that was that was good to find out and i just turned that into a strength charlie four seven uh, i think I the think biggest thing, thing for, for me was, was just, just not giving a voice, voice uh, to uh, the pain, pain. uh that's sort of the really biggest thing for me uh understanding that, that it was gonna be a thought at one point your grip's gonna give out or you're gonna be tired or whatever it is but as soon as you vocalize that to someone else then you give it life um, so just understanding that I don't need to tell any other uh, candidate that, hey, uh, my hands hurt or my grip is going out uh, because theirs is too. So I'm not. So why am I going to 
why am I going to vocalize that? Then? So that's my biggest thing. All right, perfect. Love those answers. Uh, let's transition over to weaknesses a little bit. So back to you around the horn, 1-1. One, one. Lead us off with what did you perceive as your biggest weakness as you were moving through the process, and what were you doing to deal with that as you were moving through? So I'm going to go back to those demons. Um, it's definitely just dealing with uh, critical feedback for me. A lot of us are pretty successful uh, in the units that we're coming from, and we're not used to getting a lot of negative feedback um, at every single turn. So for me, it was taking that, being able to filter what was actionable from it, and then applying that as soon as possible, and not letting that turn my mindset into a negative mindset, and just going back to pushing harder, pushing faster, and proving everyone wrong that was critiquing me at the time. Thanks for that, 1-1. One, one. Before we move on to 1-5, one, 1-1, one, one, can you just frame for the audience what you mean by negative feedback? Because I'm just trying to let the audience know that this isn't you coming here and playing games. We're not gonna, You're not going to be down doing grass and gorillas like at some of the other inception points of the pipeline. But what is that negative feedback, and what do you mean by that as you're moving through? Absolutely, and I'm, I'm going to use your words here. Um, it's definitely getting a mirror shoved right in front of your face and seeing the things that you've been neglecting to look at yourself. Um, so it, it's definitely not things that are untrue. It's not grass and gorillas where you're getting, you know, told lies that you've just got one more or anything like that. It's definitely, these are things that are true about you and you got to nug out those kernels of truth and figure out, like really dig deep and figure out, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. This is what I've been doing wrong probably for years. And this is, what I can do now in this moment to make it better and what I can do in the future to make myself a better person. Uh, outstanding answer. One, one, I don't think I can say that any better or any differently. We're absolutely just going to hold a mirror up to you and just let you understand your performance at a deep level and then see what you can do with that moving forward to get better. That's it. Just like one, one said, all right, back over to the uh, weaknesses and how you dealt with it. One, five. Charlie one five. So biggest weakness, uh, I would tend to be critical on myself after certain events, even if I ever performed well or not, I wouldn't know. I kept dwelling on it too much. Um, and what I would do to remind myself is that, you know, this course was des designed for us to fail here and it's okay to be, it's okay to fail because you can learn from it and then leave that in the past and then focus on the next challenge. And that was, it, it's just that simple. Other than that, it, that's what helped me. Um, so yeah. I think I kind of mentioned it earlier as well a little bit, uh, but speaking up in those group settings, um, that's just something I have to stay on top of. Um, I also, I'm more of a critical thinker, uh, so I typically take a little bit longer to come up with solutions to things. And uh, there was a guy in, in my team, uh, three, four, he was just really great. Like there was a problem and right off the bat, he had a solution. Maybe it wasn't the final solution we went with, but he was able to get one out there, get it on paper, and we were able to work towards a common goal. And so um, even though that's not me and I can't, at this point, I can't learn that that quick. Um, but what I can do is use my strengths with his strengths. So, you know, when he would come up with a plan instantaneously, I would use my critical thinking um, to kind of poke holes in it and refine it. And so it was kind of like this give and take. So while I didn't necessarily address my weak points because uh, I didn't feel like there's enough time to learn how to problem solve that quick as good as he was um i could absolutely use my strengths to kind of reframe um that uh negative feedback that i get sometimes and uh essentially in the end it made the team stronger i think or seven so one of my uh, perceived um weaknesses was problem solving knew that coming in 
Um, and one of the things that I did to kind of mitigate that moving forward through the selection process, uh, and which I, w- I wish I would have done it more, was just taking a mad minute with whatever problem set that you guys gave us. Just taking a couple seconds just to uh, digest the problem and come up with a, a sound solution that would make sense. So um, I think I'd, I wish I would have done a little bit better job of that. And if, if I could go back in my preparation, I would probably suggest uh, guys from my team just give me different problem sets and come up with different solutions to them just, just to kind of iron that out prior to showing up. Yeah, that's a good point, four seven. And I mean, the bottom line is we're hiring people who can come up here and help us solve some of the nation's hardest problems. And uh, if we don't feel like you can do that, you're probably not going to get a nod or a seat on OTC. Um, so figuring out how to uh, work through some novel problem sets before you get here, how to generate some solutions that may be effective to things that you haven't thought about before, how to take disparate pieces and have to piece them together to make it fit into the best reasonable solution. All those things will help you out. But something else you said that I think is important to talk about here is taking that mad minute after you get some set of instructions to figure out what your response is going to be or what your next action is going to be. So, 4-7, just give us your experience. Why is that so important, and especially in a process like our selection? 4-7 here. So, I, I would say it's it, it's important to get all the variables to the problem, right? So, there's, there's going to be uh, situations where you don't have an answer. Uh, but someone on your team might have an answer. But if you go run your mouth and you decide to go with with a certain solution that you think is correct, that might not be the best the best solution at the time. Uh, versus taking a minute, taking everyone's perspective, and kind of figuring out the right direction and path to go. So that was really important for our team. I think during Xville, um, we we won certain events where there was no really right solution. Right, you had to figure out figure out what the solution was going to be. Um, so I, th- I think that was that was really important and a. Uh, a way that we we were successful in that. One one, I'll kind of ask you the opposite side of that question. Um, give us your experiences, or at least your thoughts about. Sometimes there just isn't time to sit there and contemplate what our move's going to be. Sometimes you just have to pick stuff up and get moving forward. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Definitely, there are some times where uh, you just got to go. Um, I can't give an exact answer of what, what's the right approach in any situation. It really depends on a lot of the variables. Um, you kind of got to read the situation. Um, but it, I also think it's pretty apparent when you have a minute to just stop, take a breath, let go of the ego. You don't need to go right away. Look through the problem and then do some analysis and then get moving. As opposed to maybe when your team's heart rate's jacked up or you're, you see the finish line in sight, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe you should just go and press with the solution. Yeah, awesome. Appreciate that one. One, I couldn't agree more. How about um, one five or three six? Anything to add there? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, other than you know, and the lack of a good plan, you better just attack it, you know, full force physically. Um, and just like you said, Mister Free, like there were several instances, um, even on the uh, like mission planning, critical thinking stuff, that you have to just do that. Like you don't have the time to write out you know, your SMEAC, um, you got to start with the problem first and then come out from that. Because, you know, once you can identify the problem and start working that, you know, some of that more, what I would call ancillary stuff, um, as far as mission planning is concerned, you know, you can figure that out later. Um, That's your primary problem, just like on the physical stuff. Um, Like if you're racing the other team and they're 400 meters ahead, now's not the time to stop and decide, okay, who's carrying what, 
like everybody needs to pick something up and go and we'll figure it out on the fly. Yeah, that's awesome. Three, six. Thanks for that answer and input. And also these answers are just going to be enlightening for a lot of folks out there, especially those who are coming up behind you. Now I want you to um, think back to your experience. What were some of the things that you saw other guys doing uh, that were being highly successful that you kept telling yourself, man, I need to integrate some of that into my performance. Yeah. Charlie one, one here. Uh, just a couple examples. The guys who could, unfortunately, some of the guys who came up first were kind of put in the hot seat to listen to the instructions that were given and everyone coming after them kind of got to see what those guys did and hopefully not emulate their mistakes. So I think those guys up front, if you're the first person to do an event, if you're listening intently, kind of like what uh, 47 was saying, if you just listen to the instructions that are given, take that deep breath to make sure that you fully understand the problem, you have all your answers answered and then move forward uh when given the time then absolutely i think you should do that um and then the second thing i think i saw is the guys who were able to take kind of the curveballs in stride and not get sidetracked by any added stress because that's going to come uh time and time again so if you can just kind of keep that calm demeanor keep focused on what's going on i, I think those are the guys that definitely uh succeeded throughout the process charlie won five uh, there was actually one particular thing that stood out to me the most, uh, one candidate did, um, that I believe was highly effective. After every single event, since day one we got here, he would get with everybody on his team and just take critical feedback how he performed in that event. Um, and which he ended up being successful and got selected coincidentally. So I felt like uh, that shown to me. Um, that also rubbed off, 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 rubbed off on me. So once we got to the field phase, I decided to start going through other people like, hey, what can I do to be better? What did I not do? And how can I fix it? And I felt like that helped me be successful as well. Uh, yeah, saw a lot of good stuff from a lot of guys, honestly. I feel like this was a pretty stacked team overall uh, in every aspect. Um, I think that one thing that uh, impressed me was there were several people, not just the O's as, you, as one would expect, but a lot of enlisted guys as well that are very good at thinking and speaking on their feet. Uh, under pressure and I think that that's something to be admired not everybody can do that um, you know a lot of people will fumble through their words and whenever you're given a brief uh, that's not what you want it's not what you're looking for and you know you guys press us you press everybody to brief something so if briefing isn't your strong suit if talking isn't your strong suit and talking under pressure um, that's definitely something to be worked on and I saw it a lot from a lot of guys uh, Charlie four seven. Uh, so I think it's important to note that you guys are going to throw a lot of information at us, and I'm I'm assuming that's on purpose, right? So one of the characteristic traits you guys are looking for is communication. Within communication is active listening, right? So understanding what what info is pertinent and what is not, and understanding what what task and standard uh, is for for each event. So active listening is a big component, and a lot of guys uh, would get hung up on certain uh, items that were that were uh, passed out, but they wouldn't hear the rest of the message. So they would get hung up on, you've got to do this, this sequence, and they wouldn't hear the rest of the instruction. And then they, they most likely failed that task or failed to follow instruction. So I think it's important to just active listen and just be present in the moment. Yeah, thanks for those answers. Four, seven, I could not agree more with being present in the moment, because if you're not present, if there's things weighing in on you mentally, if you are somewhere in the past or somewhere in their future, you will not hear the words that are coming out of the um, selection staff's mouth. Uh, and those are the instructions that you must have to be successful at whatever event you're about to do. So 
learning to focus on being present and how to stay in the moment is a critical tip on being really successful here and I would argue through life. All right, so I'm going to pull us back towards feedback again, and I'd like to go around the horn starting with 1-1 and just give your experience on what feedback is like. What was your relationship with it like as you moved through the process, whether it was from your peers, whether it was some selection staff? I give the audience um, your experience. Absolutely. So I try 1-1 here. I feel like the, the feedback that we get here is extremely targeted to things that can be refined um, both immediately and long-term. So nothing is a personal attack or anything like that. It's definitely tangible things that you can take some actionable steps toward correcting, whether that's one hour from now, if you get another chance, or whether that's one year from now, uh, when you're developing yourself at your unit or through OTC or whatever. Charlie one one, do me a quick favor and discuss the peer feedback as well that you got going through selection because I think it's a unique environment that most guys aren't used to. I don't think I've ever had an experience where you're you're this close to your peers for this, I guess, a uh, long of an amount of time, um, just so exposed to each other and learning the most intricate details of each other and how you react. Not in the best case scenario, but literally in the worst case scenario. So it's not just. You know, I, I've done all these great things in my life. It's I did that thing wrong. And now give me, let me know what you think about what I did wrong in that scenario or on that day, et cetera. So I think it's, it's a different type of feedback uh, than we see anywhere else in our careers. And definitely, uh, definitely an exceptional opportunity. Charlie, 1-5, um, for the peers, I mean, honestly, I valued my peer feedback. I can't see something more effective than being told uh, the positive and negatives about myself. Um, working with a guy in a stressful and challenging environment such like this, um, it really helps my perception or your perception on yourself, um, things that you typically would overlook, and it really would help you learn from that. Um, from the instructor point of view, um, I took it as um, definitely critical, not a personal attack. Um, even if it's maybe not your biggest weakness, they highlighted your weaknesses, so you're aware of it. And it's something that you can work on. And that's what I took from uh, the instructor feedback as well. Uh, Charlie, three, six. Um, one thing that I think is really unique about the peer feedback is the fact that you are not getting feedback from your peers or giving it to your peers, but you're also doing it on yourself at the same time. And that's on a day-to-day -day basis and sometimes even event to event. So you're able to get like real-time actionable information on how you perceive yourself and how you're perceived by others. Um, you know, I will say that there was, you know, a time or two where I was like, okay, this is what, definitely where I messed up. And then, you know, I would get feedback back that was, okay, no, actually it was perceived to be a little bit different from that. Um, and so finding that out in some of those nuanced situations uh, was a huge help. And I think that the instructor feedback, generally speaking, was exactly on all those same lines of, that uh, my peers saw. Um, I will say that there's, you know, there, you guys are experts essentially, and you know what you're looking for and know what you're looking at when you see it. And your feedback was just, you know, a little better, right? So it's more targeted, more specific, and uh, a little bit more actionable. Um, it was um, delivered in a way that's much more, uh, you're much more receptive to it. Charlie47, uh, I would say that you're going to be given direct, honest, and unbiased feedback. 
Um, so you're going to have varying lenses. Each, each individual is going to have varying lenses with which to evaluate you. And each, each uh, individual operator has their different, um, their, their different experiences and, and, and their different uh, ways to evaluate you. So you're going to get feedback from everyone uh, with their different backgrounds. Uh, and the intent is to make you better, uh, make you a better operator and a better man at the end of the day. Yeah, I appreciate those answers. Uh, there's no doubt that feedback, if we would integrate that more throughout all communities, especially in SOF, uh, we could take our uh, performance to much higher levels. So appreciate you guys going through that and, and giving such a good answer. But now to my favorite question, I think, of the day will be, what event do you wish you could go back and do again and why? Try one one here. I would go back and do the the shoot house problem solving scenario one again. I think as a, as an officer and a leader, uh, a lot of times throughout the scenario, and it wasn't just this one, but all the problem solving ones, I think we're kind of developed to, to want to receive, receive the mission and then move out and push the team as fast as possible. And, uh, if I could go back, I'd, I'd slap myself along the head and say, lose the ego, slow down, and make sure that you fully understand that the problem set that they're placing in front of you. And then use not just your mind, but the 12 other minds you have around you or six other minds, however many people, and develop a good plan to move forward with. And uh, I think that's definitely one of the things that I, I think as an officer, I wish, uh, I wish someone would have slapped me along the head. And I wish I could have done that to myself and just be like, lose the ego, use everyone around you. And you definitely won't go wrong if you do that. Charlie one five. Uh, I would absolutely go back and re-attack, re-attack the individual uh, mission brief. I kind of misunderstood my place, um, how I was briefing the GFC, and I didn't know exactly how much I could push back. And at this point, um, now thinking about it, I really wish I pushed back. Like I really would intend to to get more things approved. Probably still would have failed. That's okay. I feel like I would at least been able to left, every, leave everything out on the table that I originally had planned. And uh, that's all I got for that. Charlie three, six. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think I got anything I wanted on that one. <laughs> but uh, one thing that I would go back and do again would be the kettlebell communication one. hundred uh, percent. Um, I just completely bombed it. Uh, plain and simple. Uh, lacking a lot of sleep at that point. Uh, I just watched somebody go and they crushed it and I was coming at it from a, I was expecting something along those lines. And what I got was completely different. And, um, I had a lot of self-imposed limitations. Again, it's that, um, active listening, uh, that I didn't have at that point in the process and absolutely I'd go back and change that. Charlie four, seven. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with Charlie three, six, uh, on that aspect. I would definitely go reattack um, the, the kettlebell uh, problem solving uh, situation that we had. I think the biggest thing there was just, just attention to detail. We ended up coming up with a structure, uh, but it wasn't the right structure. And uh, so just really just a, attention to detail. And like I previously said, just taking that mad minute and just taking a second to just come up with a solution and figure out what the solution is. All right, guys, again, starting with 1-1. One, one. Uh, this is aimed at more towards officers. And what you guys, um, you know, what are some of the blind spots you might, might have seen uh, through some of the leadership here, as well as what are some things some guys should be preparing as officers before they come into this process to help them out? All right, so Charlie 1-1 one, one here. I think 
in terms of what guys might be deficient at currently um, at the line units or wherever you are, I think it's going to be thinking outside the box and using those around you uh, to bolster your, your thinking. A lot of times we're relied upon to, to have the good ideas and, and to drive the team forward for those good ideas. Like understand that you're surrounded by super talented individuals here and <laughs> they've got the ideas, not you. So getting rid of kind of your mil your linear thinking, like your military rigid thinking, and getting into thinking outside the box and coming up with creative solutions to problems. I think that would be one beneficial thing uh, that, that a lot of guys are probably deficient at. And then second, be the leader you would want to see and step up early and often. You only have, you know, 10 days a week, whatever, to be here. It doesn't matter what you've done anywhere else before you get here. It All that matters is how you present yourself on day one and how you present yourself every hour of the of the process that you go through it. So just making sure that you keep that in your mind and don't hesitate for a second. Charlie one five. Um, I would just say, most of all, knowing yourself and what you lack um, so you can work on it and be prepared when you get here. Um, potentially throwing yourself into FMP scenarios and uh, really work at that leadership role um, and making sure you can be able to handle yourself um, and maybe even get your team involved in it as well um, and have their feedback um, given so they can be more prepared in, for this type of environment. And be ready to follow as well. Um, be open-minded. Don't, don't be afraid to um, take other solutions from other people. But at the same time, make sure you're not hyper-focused on one solution to a problem. I, I noticed that that could be an issue. So being open-minded and having multiple solutions to a problem and be prepared to accept feedback and uh, solutions from uh, from your subordinates. Charlie three six. Um, I guess my uh, bit of feedback would be a little aimed more towards the younger uh, officers. Honestly, um, I had a couple of younger officers with me. I think the the big thing is whenever you're you just get your beret and you go to the unit, you're able to rely a lot on your senior enlisted guys um, and. We had some guys with time in on the enlisted side underneath the officers, but we didn't have guys that had been in a while. We didn't have any master sergeants, I don't believe, um, and a couple of young techs, maybe. Uh, and so if you're a young officer, like you need to be able to know how to uh, do all those things that you are typically reliant upon your enlisted staff to do. Um, you know, mission planning and uh, task orienting guys uh, to certain things. Um, just make sure you're familiar with that stuff and, and understand how to uh, talk to them on their level. Um, you know, it. there's a lot of smart guys enlisted and a lot of them have, most of them probably have degrees as well, um, but somehow or some reason there's a tendency um, to, um, you know, uh, try to sound smart. I think that, you know, officers, like, you obviously have a role, and you're trying to show that you can do that role. And sometimes with some people, it can come off the wrong way. Uh, so make sure that you are working with your enlisted staff before you leave, and making sure that you're not coming off uh, too strong. Charlie 4-7, uh, I would say one of the biggest things, um, I would say just lead from the front in all aspects. Um, your job as an officer is to, to set that example for the guys and to, and to lead in, in all aspects, especially at selection, and just motivating your guys. You're going to get to a point where you might be taking two steps at a time, 
and everyone's hurting. And uh, your your job is to motivate those guys in, in those moments. Um, from um, from a, a different perspective, I would say mission planning and uh, doing hasty mission planning would be a big thing to work on. Uh, coming up to um, a simple and efficient plan and then executing that plan. That, that Those would be my, my two big things for them to work on. Outstanding tips for officers. So any of you officers out there listening, if you follow those tips right there, I'm telling you right now, you are already down a path towards success. Uh, those are great answers, guys. And I hate that this is almost over, but the last question is coming up right now. If you guys could offer one tip out there to the community who may find themselves in our selection process in the future, what would that one tip be to help them find success? The Charlie one one here. Your execution level is going to be equivalent to your preparation level. Come as prepared as you possibly can. And don't, by the time you leave your unit, you shouldn't have wished that you could have prepared a little bit more on this or that. You're, you're as prepared as you feel like you possibly can be. And you're going to control what you can during selection. And once you get here, starting with the introduction brief, put your foot on the pedal and don't let up until X feels complete. Yeah, 1-1 one, one pretty much nailed it. Uh, on the aspect also of, you know, just knowing yourself where you lack um, and be ready to go. Um, best thing that I can say is to be ready for this is don't be in a lax environment for three months before you get here. Um, throw yourself in certain scenarios. Like I mentioned earlier, um, potentially getting your team to throw you in like some FMPs, really stress you out um, and just do some problem solving to really get you ready for this environment. Three, six. Um, yeah, they said it. 100% maximum effort from the get-go. Um, and I think one thing as far as starting with the uh, introduction interview is you want to start off on the right foot. So I would say if you have a psych doc or social worker at your unit, go to them, do a mock interview, learn how to speak clearly and efficiently um, and effectively. Charlie, four, seven. I would say the biggest thing would be take advantage of every opportunity. Uh, selection has... Uh, only a certain amount of events in it, and they're all very taxing. Uh, but I would say you you have to get your mind right to take advantage of, of every single event that's going to come up. Um, starts from the way you present yourself in the room and the way you enter a room and speak. Um, you got to be able to to convey your message clearly, uh, and um, you, you've got to you've really just got to set the tone for the for the whole week from the get go. Okay, folks, that concludes another Inside Through Experience podcast. And if that one didn't just blow you away to get to hear the experience from four guys who just completed the selection process less than 48 hours ago and who were just told they were selected less than two hours ago, I don't know what else to do for you. Um, that is about as good as it gets. And I appreciate 1-1-1-5-3-6 and 4-7 for coming on here, sharing their experiences and just dropping that knowledge. Um, on everybody out there listening. So, all right, y'all. We are hopefully going to get back on track with releasing more of these now that that selection is behind us. Uh, we have a lot more information to bring to you, and um, we look forward to talking to you again. Appreciate everybody tuning in to the Inside Through Experience podcast. Later, y'all.